Blog Talk Radio. I never believed it. I, I thought you were a myth. Well, I'm not. But I will tell you something that is. The belief that human beings are kind. No, Caesar. There are some. Oh, a handful, perhaps, but not most of them. No, they won't learn to be kind until we force them to. We can't do that until we are free. How do you propose to gain this freedom? By the only means left to us. Revolution. It's doomed to failure. Perhaps. This time. And the next. Maybe. But you'll keep trying. You, above everyone else, should understand. We cannot be free until we have power. How else can we achieve it? You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro-Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. July 4th, I should say July 4th, forthcoming. <laughs> it's coming up soon. Happy 4th of July, people. Keep it safe. Keep it patriotic as much as you can if you're the jingoistic type. Anyway, folks, this is the Grindhouse edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk, the uncanny Daryl being, of course, our left coast correspondent, Claire Linnae. The call in number, 646 915 9620. 646 915-9620. We have a lot to get through. Tom Felton of Harry Potter fame is going to be a series regular on The Flash third season. So I, I would assume that Ms. Linnae is going to probably kick, kick it about that and, and other issues. We have a lot to just discuss, folks. Some miscellaneous stuff I threw in there. Uh, Afropunk versus Comic-Con. There's some stuff going on with that. I might, I might touch on Stacey Dash. Well, there's a certain way I should have. I should have rephrased that. <laughs> anyway, Stacey Dash versus Jesse Williams. You get the inference. Briefly, 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 briefly. Anyway, 
Let's go to a quick Herb Alt, Black Rock, Psychedelic Soul Groove. And then we do what we always do. We just discuss stuff, folks. This pulp pop stuff. This is a redux cover of a cameo hit, Word Up, by Willis. We'll be right back. Let's groove. Thank you, thank you. 
All right. And you know who this gentleman is. He needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. He is the indefatigable, uncanny Daryl B. Oh, if we're the Doom Patrol, I'm definitely negative, man, for sure. Shooting <laughs> oh, dark yeah. <laughs> energy out of my body, definitely. Who's the doctor that, that doesn't, uh, who's, you know, doesn't Niles walk? Niles Calder. I don't, know, I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll take that. <laughs> Maybe I'll be Robot Man. I'm not sure. <laughs> I gotta figure that. I gotta think that one through. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know who this young lady is. She's no longer a, a newbie. I think uh, she's certainly. Um, oh, I'm messing up already. <laughs> okay. Hold on. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Our left coast, west coast correspondent, Miss Claire Lene. Claire. Ebert. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm all right. You know, we have some time. Finally, it's Fourth of July. A few days to kind of relax and talk about this comic book stuff. So um, let's just get into your special segment, of course. Uh, the weekly roundup. Give us your thoughts. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, here we go. Uh, let's see. Let's start off with some casting news. Now, if I didn't know any better, I'd say that Spider-Man and Arrow are in a competition to see how many more people they can add to their cast. As if the ever-expanding homecoming roster wasn't large and diverse enough, they've already added more names this week. White House Down actress Garcelle Beauvais, Disney star Tiffany Espenson, and Cagney and Lacey TV veteran Tyne Daly. Arrow is adding Tyler Ritter in a recurring detective role now that Quentin Lance is no longer at Star City PD. Uh, actor Paul Blackthorne is still going to be part of the show, just not tethered to a badge. Season 5 will also introduce Carly Pope as journalist Susan Williams, a name that you might recognize if you're a Green Lantern fan. Williams hails from Hal Jordan's neighborhood, Coast City. As mentioned earlier, Tom Felton, best known for playing Draco Malfoy in the Harry Potter franchise, is joining The, Fa the Flash in Season 3 as a fellow CSI who suspects that there's more to Barry Allen than is let on. John Malkovich has been cast alongside Mike Epps and Maggie Grace in the comic book convention comedy Supercon. This movie is about a group of former TV stars and comic book artists making their living working at conventions who one day decide to steal the loot from a crooked promoter and an overbearing former TV icon. Captain Phillips star Barkhead Abdi joins the cast of the Blade Runner sequel. In TV news, Violet Bean is set to return to The Flash Season 3 as Harrison Wells' daughter, Jessie. It's been blatantly hinted at that she will become a speedster herself, known as Jessie Quick. Echo Kellum has just become series regular for Arrow Season 5, and his character Curtis is going to be more like Cisco on The Flash. Jack-O-Lantern is confirmed as the villain to appear in DC's superhero sitcom pilot, Powerless, on NBC. Recent casting calls have fueled rumors that Ghost Rider will be joining Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4. Instead of the well-known Johnny Blaze version that we're all familiar with, it could end up being Robbie Reyes, who shares a small connection to, Disney, to sorry, Daisy Johnson's father in the Marvel Now comics. 
We're also hearing that a female life model decoy named Ada will be introduced this season. She's being described as attractive, moves naturally, but speaks formally similar to Jarvis. Daredevil Season 1 is finally getting a Blu-ray release October 3rd. A Van Helsing series will debut on Sci-Fi September 22nd. Legends actress Kelly Overton will play the lead role of Vanessa Helsing. Megan Mullally and Constance Wu have joined the cast of Hulu's sci-fi drama Dimension 404. The title of the six-episode anthology is a play on the Internet 404 error code and will feature self-contained stories about the weird side of the web and stumbling across unexplained phenomena. Legends of Tomorrow star Katie Lotz says that White Canary will be getting a girlfriend in Season 2. Twelve Monkeys has been renewed for a 10-episode third season on Sci-Fi. Preacher has been renewed for a second season on AMC. Danger Will Robinson, Lost in Space, is getting a Netflix reboot. And speaking of Netflix, production has officially started on Netflix's Death Note movie adaptation. In film news, Warner Brothers has been trying to make a live-action movie of Akira for over 14 years. Rumor has it now they're trying to get Justin Lin to direct. Move over Lego Batman, Jackie Chan and Michael Pena are among an all-star voiceover cast for the ninja movie Lego Ninjago. J.J. Abrams' Star Trek Universe reboot will now officially be referred to as the Kelvin Timeline. Abrams has used the name in a few of his movies as a tribute to his grandfather, Henry Kelvin. And in this case, it's referring to the Romulan Nero going back in time and destroying the USS Kelvin in what was sure to change the course of history for James T. Kirk and crew. Now, nobody knows how, when, or why, but apparently there's a Tetris trilogy in the works. That's right, you heard me. A trilogy. Benedict Wong promises that he won't be a, quote, tea-making manservant in Doctor Strange, assuring fans that they're taking his character in a different direction from the comics. Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition will be available on Blu-ray and DVD July 19th. Captain America Civil War will be released on Blu-ray and DVD on September 13th. While complimenting his friend George Lucas's star uh, <clears throat> Star Wars films on their innovative visual imagination, James Cameron says that The Force Awakens was more of a retrenchment into things and characters that you've already seen before. Scarlett Johansson makes history as the highest grossing actress ever. Thanks to the Marvel machine, Johansson is the youngest star on the top grocer's actors list as well as the only female in the top ten. Her combined films have grossed over a total of $3.3 billion in total ticket sales over the course of her career. Pacific Rim 2 is scheduled to release February 2018. Legendary Pictures is looking to add Scott Eastwood to the cast. Still no word on whether or not Charlie Hunnam or Rinko Kikuchi will be returning. A Wreck-It Ralph sequel is now on the books for a March 2018 debut. A Minecraft movie is in the works to open in 2019. It's Always Sunny Philadelphia star uh, and co-creator Rob McElhaney is, attended, uh, is attached to direct. 
excuse me, I can't talk today. Speaking of video game adaptations, Divergent actor Ansel Elgort is in early talks to star in a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Tyrese Gibson confirms that he'll return to Transformers 5 the last night. Juggernaut himself, Vinny Jones, returns with uh, Channing Tatum, Jeff Bridges, Halle Berry, and Julianne Moore in the Kingsman sequel, Golden Circle. Director Matthew Vaughn previously worked with Jones on Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, as well as Snatch when he was a producer. Underworld 5, Blood Wars, October opening has been delayed until January 2017. British actress Hannah John Kamen is the daughter of a Nigerian forensic psychologist and a Norwegian fashion model. Best known for her roles in Game of Thrones and currently in Killjoys, John Kamen joined Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One due out March 2018. That's all for my weekly roundup. Back to you, Afro Nerd. All right. Claire, as always, excellent rundown. Always appreciate it. Folks, this is the Grindhouse, the July 4th edition, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. Feel free to call on in with your questions, your protestations, disagreements, what have you. It's all good. You know, Claire, you mentioned uh, the Ghost Rider uh, illusion that, Possibly we might see the resurgence of that character. We know that Fox did two uh, attempts of uh, of the character on film. I think uh, I guess they were moderately successful. I don't know if they were critically. I think they were critically panned. Um, you know, Nicolas Cage played the the, the titular role, but I, I just kind of put. I'm going to pose this to our to our our, our Fantastic Four Doom Patrol thing here. Um, Let's go to, let's go to uh, Daryl B. Do you think Shield is the, is the greatest place to reintroduce the Ghost Rider character? I always thought that there was talk that it might come through Netflix, which, which has a much more darker appeal. What do you think is going on here? Well, first things first, and this is where I enlighten everybody. I had to enlighten everybody on Twitter. We already had a Ghost Rider character in, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. See this scuzzy Australian? Uh, who right. became an inhuman, okay? He's based on the character in Secret Warriors, who was a descendant of Firebrand. Oh, go. Who's Firebrand? Who's Firebrand? Firebrand was a 40s hero, okay? But the thing about Firebrand's timeline was it was related to the original Ghost Rider. So essentially, we've already had a descendant of Ghost Rider on the show, or at least patterned after it. Because remember what his power set was. He could heat anything up and toss flames, right? Uh, anyway, if it's Robbie Reyes, it makes total sense. Because like, like, like mentioned before, he has a, a, a tangible link, familiar-wise, with Daisy Johnson. They may not be direct family, but he's in her universe. So... That's not a problem. Everybody's looking for the mystical and all of that. No, 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 no. Because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. outside of Asgard hasn't touched upon that side of the universe yet. It's just like everybody wanted to see mutants on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You're not going to get that. But 
if you get Robbie Reyes as, as a, 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 a street punk that, that Daisy befriends, not knowing their connection or not alluding to their connection, and you just don't have him flame on in there, it's okay. You could get away with that. I mean, it'll, it'll feel like uh, diet soda. It, it'll feel like a, a light iced tea. But but it, it, it will it will feed upon our our nerdy senses like you'll be watching like maybe this will be the time he'll flame on maybe this will be the time he'll flame on and before you know it you've seen eight episodes with the kid and uh, or whoever they have playing the role and you're like damn they're not going to give us Ghost Rider here I, I told people you want Ghost Rider. Look hard at Doctor Strange. Look hard at Iron Fist. All right? Because those two are not shying away from the mystical elements of the Marvel Universe. Okay? Everybody's looking at, uh, at Ghost Rider. Oh, he could appear here. He could appear here. But if a show has never made an attempt to touch upon these things, then any attempt to introduce a said hero who's demonic, folks, remember, Ghost Rider is a demonic entity, would come off hokey. Back to you, Afro-Nerd. All right. Um, Clay, what are, you, what are your thoughts about, about this? I mean, I, I thought that I saw a, some kind of advertisement with, with a train and a chain, a fire chain that was printed on this train, some, something I think that might be for the upcoming San Diego Comic-Con, there was a picture online that showed that, and then folks thought that, okay, that, 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 that could only mean uh, Ghost Rider, although Daryl had talked about the character that was using a, uh, the inhuman character, the Aussie, as, as Daryl said, that seemed to have a similar power set as far as heating up things and heating up uh, a chain. But I still ask, is S.H.I.E.L.D. dark enough? I mean, he has dark moments, but uh, it just seemed like a weird place. Um, there was talk initially that the main baddie, the main uh, nemesis for the Defenders on Netflix, uh, to the listening audience, you know, all these characters that are on Netflix now, Luke Cage coming up in September, we've already seen Daredevil, uh, seasons one and seasons two. We've seen Punisher. We've seen... Uh, Jessica Jones, that all these characters are going to culminate into a Defenders group, somewhat like a street-level street Avengers. So you have the Defenders, and the main villain in, that, in this tour de force I thought was going to be Mephisto. If, if that's the case, then that, that already opens up the return of Blade, the return of Ghost Rider. That seemed more plausible to me. But, but now that you see this S.H.I.E.L.D. reference, how do you feel about that? Do you think, you know, Marvel really doesn't do too many missteps, but this feels like one to me? I think it could work. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not really sure exactly how I feel about this. I did see that image. It's um, it's a picture of the, uh, there's a train. At San Diego Comic-Con, obviously, it's uh, nearby the public transit system, which now sports this very large picture uh it's an advertisement for the show and it's got a fiery chain uh by the logo so it does 
it does seem to hint that that's the direction that they're going. Um, I mean, I don't really know how much they're going to do with that that uh, Australian, you know, kind of hellfiery, you know, character. I don't know if he's going to have more to do, or if they're going to expand upon his character at all, or if he's going to be back. I don't, I don't really know. But now that the show has been moved to 10 o'clock, they've Ooh. already said that they they do want to try to push for a darker, a little bit more serious tone. Um, and the show, even from the jump, you know, in you know the first three seasons, has already touched upon different elements, you know, sci-fi, paranormal, um, you know, with the power sets now coming into play. So it's not too far overreach, because um, I know I was thinking the same thing in terms of looking odd, out of place, or hokey. But, hey, you know, I mean, if you're trying to rebrand and now you're, you know, pushed back an hour and you want to go a little bit more darker and more adult, I, I guess you could do that. It's it's just, it does feel a little strange considering everything that we've seen at this at this point. But I don't know. I mean, they could make it work. And as we have seen, more of these shows are trying to push for the diversity element. So, you know, Robbie Reyes and his brother, you know, could add a little bit more of that flavor uh, from what we've seen. I don't know the actress's name. I apologize. But uh, for, you know, Yo-Yo, you know, a, a lot of the times, oh, yes, yes. a lot of her character, her her culture, her elements are still very much intact. I mean, she's not at all whitewashed. She still speaks Spanish on the show frequently. So, um, so I don't know. I'm I'm curious. I'm definitely curious to see where they take this, especially now that the show, even for the last three minutes of the finale, you kind of see transformation as they skipped forward six months. But um oh, it'll be interesting if it is in fact Robbie Reyes. No, also the fact that they they're introducing life model decoys, you know, the funny thing is is that um we know that the Colson character ended up becoming somewhat of a beloved character through the the film franchises. And when he died, it was a little off putting Especially that I think at some point we knew that he was going to be in the TV, in the TV series, but we thought that he had died, and I, and I just assumed early on that 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 was that he was probably a life model decoy. So I don't understand. I'm even curious as to why they waited this long. And we're talking about years later that they introduced the notion of LMDs when we could have assumed that that could have been more direct after his quote unquote death in. In the Avengers, the first Avengers, we go to um, to Captain Kirk. Captain, what are your thoughts about you know this whole premise? I mean, listen, we're we're looking at the, the revitalization of many of these characters, and you know, listen, you don't know what's truthful and what's fallacy online, but there's a whole like a whole story attached to Netflix looking into Netflix and Marvel looking into a supernatural wing on you know on Netflix, so. That excited me even more. I mean, the fact that you have Punisher, Blade, and Ghost Rider, they were they, they were, were once with other movie houses. They returned back to the House of Ideas. It, would, it just would seem to be natural or supernatural 
to be on, on uh, Netflix. Now S.H.I.E.L.D. is introducing Ghost Rider, and LMDs are coming in like five years later. What are your thoughts about this? We get super, super geeky here. We use a double-slit experiment in physics now. All right, two timelines mixing with one. We go down Daryl's. Daryl talks about diet soda. I don't like diet soda. You know, I want to get I want to get hit with 151 shots of the bar put here on your chest. So that's Netflix. You understand? If that's the way you want to go with it, that's what I like to. That's how I like to do with it. But we got to look at the other side because you got two timelines interfering with the other. If it goes on to Shield, which that's the way it's looking, it's going to go. You more or less. One thing we know about Shield. If they don't get it right at first, they heat up, and then the alcohol, the diet soda, will eventually have a little liquor in it. It starts to get better as it goes along. So it's gonna, they go, they'll eventually get it right. So either way, we're going to get a good shot of that. You just have to be introduced. This is Daryl said from the Shield perspective, and it'll heat up. But me personally, I like the shots of the ball, 151, let's get drunk. Let's go straight to it. Put hair on your chest, it's going to be burning. You got a little chaser, let's go. And that's what Netflix is. That's what I personally like. But I think if it goes with S.H.I.E.L.D., it'll still eventually get, get it right. At first, we're going to be like, eh, this is Daryl said, and then it'll pick up. Back over to you, Afro Nerd. You know, and listen, and let's be honest. One of the major things with the Ghost Rider character is the CGI. Um, you know, in order for it to look, I mean, you're talking about a person with a flaming skull. Riding a motorcycle. Um, no one is crazy enough <laughs> to put on some kind of mask that would be on fire. You know, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I mean, of course, it would be some kind of computer thing. But, you know, Marvel, as opposed to Fox's Marvel, where they seem to use cosplay versus uh, CGI work, um, for, for Ghost Rider to be reintroduced the Marvel way, I would assume that the the CGI would be on point. You put it on TV, you take the chance of it being hokey if it's not done right. But then again, what, you know, hey, listen, I'm assuming these folks know what they're doing. I haven't really seen them do any kind of major missteps, so I'm I'm, I'm excited, but I'm cautious. All right. Anyway, uh, let's move along to more casting news. This was also this was also discussed in Claire's weekly roundup. Harry Potter alum. Tom Felton, who always seems to play this kind of snarky, sneering, villainous, villain character. Pardon me, not villainous. Uh, a villain. Um, I don't know what, I mean, I hope he's not getting typecast in this role, because he kind of has that look of someone who's kind of always has these these machinations in the background. And he's secretly trying to get you. Um, I, I, I'm I don't want to say that the Flash cast is getting too large. You know, I'm still very much invested in the Flash. But going back to Daryl, um, what are your thoughts about? I mean, you know, Tom Felton. We, you know, he's kind of staying within the genre. He's in the fantasy sci-fi thing. But well, first of all, even his character. I was trying to look up his character name to see if he's if he's a part of the mythology. Is he a part of the mythology? This character? I don't know. I don't know. I've been, you know, I haven't been keeping a track with Flash since the thing. I've been, uh, I grabbed a few of the graphic novels and all, but again, for people losing their minds over the Flash and Arrow castings, I will just say this: 
you, it, 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 it's a weekly show. I don't know which characters are going to stay for long arcs or who's in there just for a, 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 a brief one-off. I remember, was it last season? They, they built up uh, Edge, a.k.a. Adam Copeland, as being Adam Smasher. And I remember people uh, going nuts over it, like, oh, you can't have a professional wrestler be on this show weekly. And I'm just like, chill, we haven't even seen it yet. Relax. It may just be a one-off. Never mind that he did a great job on Haven. But the first thing people saw when they saw that was, oh, you're bringing in a professional uh, wrestler. To, uh, and he was there for precisely one show. All right? Now, with Drake Malfoy here, it's obvious the way they phrase it, he's going to be in this for more than one show. All right? I just got to see how they portray it. That's that's the thing. I think by now the Flash has earned the benefit of the doubt that most of these castings have been no perfect. But, again, and uh, I tell this to people all the time, we just saw it with the Captain America 2 issue that came out this week. Let the story play out. Okay? In this case, let the casting play out. Because I guarantee you, we have heard about 25 different names between Flash and Arrow for who's going to be in there. Only 10, at most, of these people are going to be series regulars. Not every day, but they're going to be on the season consistently. Only 10. The other 15 may be your like a uh, monster or villain of the week type things. Just let it play out. I mean, it is not life and death situations. And it's me. I'm the guy these guys and gal have to tell to calm down every week telling you guys this. But some of the stuff I see on Twitter, some of the articles I see, I just go like, I thought you guys loved The Flash. You guys said you loved it more than I did. But here it is. You're losing your mind, and I'm keeping a level head. Let it play out. Back to you, Alfred. All right. Um, any thoughts about this, Claire, with Tom Felton? I, mean, I think last time we spoke, you, you said you really weren't the biggest Harry Potter fan. But he, you know, he was, um, the, he was the villain. I believe it. I believe it. I saw the picture. He looks like a douche. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, you know, that that'll play out Tell very us how you really well. Feel. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I, you're right. I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I'm, I'll just cop to that right now. Like, I have not ever watched a single Harry Potter movie all the way through. All right? So... You know, I'm just going off of the description. It says that this guy, you know, he, in my mind, just based on what little they gave us, he's going to be highly intelligent, you know, and perhaps, I don't know, necessarily a full-on villain, but in terms of his look and his age range and the fact that he's also another CSI, 
I can immediately draw the lines of curiosity, jealousy, lack of trust, um, someone that doesn't buy into, you know, Barry's His stories. Exactly. Exactly. The excuses, why he always disappears. Um, you know, I mean, this is, this is definitely the guy that's going to start digging in, kind of snooping around, you know, because for some reason he just wants to, uh, he wants to see Barry unravel, you know. There's something about Barry that's just a little too perfect, you know. How does he do that? How does he do that so quickly? How does he, you know, always get to the uh, the information? So, you know, it just, I can already put it together based on what, the, the, the brief description was that he'll be an excellent foil. I don't know all about, you know, necessarily villain, like I said, because he is going to be a series regular. So he will be throughout the entire uh, season three. So we've already had, we've already had a tall, pretty blonde guy as Zoom, you know, well, Jay Garrick, you know, becoming Zoom in our eyes. So, you know, it'll it'll I hope play out much differently in uh, in this fashion, but I don't know. I'm I'm definitely curious. Yeah, I'm I'm invested. I mean, it, really not not that much they're going to be able to do to kind of turn me off. So uh, I will say that I'm intrigued, folks. This is the Grindhouse. As a reminder, six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Again, six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. It's the fourth of July. Uh, well, forthcoming anyway. Uh, be safe, people. Be safe. We hear about these horror stories. So I have to remind folks, you know, try to not be so excited with excitable with the fireworks and all kinds of foolishness. We had a um, a local story. I know that um, Daryl would be uh, appreciative of this in a way as far as, you know, <laughs> he knows about this story. Who's the young man that blew off his, his fingers? Daryl, a Caribbean Man, for the for the yes. the Giants. Yes, I mean you know I just I just remember him. This guy's about to sign a, a major deal, and I get, I know he's still playing, I guess, but you know he doesn't appear to be as it seems to be less excitement about him, uh, you know, post his his accident. But you know, you're a man of Haitian descent, celebrating American independence when you had your own your country had its own independence. Uh, the whole thing was just goofy as hell, goofy beyond tragic. So I just, I'm always just putting it out there, folks. Just be safe. Don't, just, don't be stupid. Um, let's go to a groove, folks. When we get back, I actually want to turn things around for a, a quick thing. Um, I want to make comparisons between Afro Punk and the Comic Cons. Daryl, I think you might appreciate this. I got to thank also Sergio Mims for emailing emailing me this story. This is connected to a former guest. Lena Dawes, who wrote a book about being a an African American female in the metal scene, so we had her had her on, and she's been a, a very big proponent for Afro punk. But now she's she's weighing in on it with many of the same complaints that folks have had with these comic book festivals, with the Reed Pop festivals, that they become they become so corporatized that they're losing the essence of what they're all about. And Afropunk is no stranger to this. And I think uh, you and I kind of sort of experienced this last year. Daryl, we'll see a gain next month, how things have changed. You know, the the bigger the, 
the platform, the more that that spotlight starts to widen, even though we want more people. I'm always wanting, uh, you know, more more attention paid to urban alternative music the same way I want what we do here at Afro Nerd and, and diversity to be, to be better known. There's, there's some negatives that, that, that are attached to that. So I, I kind of want to explore balancing between Comic-Con and, and Afropunk, like just what's going on. Sometimes you have to be careful for what you ask for because you might just get it. Okay, anyway, folks, more groove. This is Roe James. Already knew that. He'll give you about two minutes. We'll be right back. Let's go. Yeah. That's right, babe. That's right, babe. That's right, babe. Yeah. That's right, babe. That's right, babe. That's right, babe. Nine six two zero six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. 
I wanted to open up the lines and, and, and discuss this Afropunk thing. I'm very excited, but I, I, I'm a little kind of leery now. Uh, shout out to Sergio Mims, our friend from Chi-Town. Uh, always check out Shadow and Act, the excellent, excellent website that encapsulates um, black movies from the diaspora worldwide. We're not talking about media takeout or bossing, none of that coonery nonsense, none of that minstrelsy. Uh, you know, he may talk about films from Nigeria all the way to the Americas and so forth. So anyway, uh, he sent an email to me. He knows that we're big supporters of Afropunk, and we try to play a lot of the urban alternative music from the Afropunk scene. And I'm always visiting the website, and it's kind of a, uh, I would definitely say a, a co-mingling or, or um, our paths definitely cross for a lot of different reasons. If you check out other nerds of color, other blurds especially, not just Afro nerds, but whether it's uh, Jamie Broadnax and her outfit or uh, black nerds with problems, there's a number of other uh, blurred-centric operations that talk about Afropunk. And Afropunk, the website, and also Afropunk the Festival, they do go in, go in on um, comic book culture, on geek culture. So there's definitely some cross-pollination going on between the rockers and the blurs. Anyway, um, and there's kind of a, a, a timeline for, for many of the, the, the folks involved with AfroNerd that we go, we do certain things, you know, whether it's, except for last year, we normally have our, our Super Bowl party, uh, thanks to the great captain. Um, we have the Black Comic Festival in Schaumburg. We have New York Comic Con, and we have Afropunk. So anyway, Afropunk, um, for those who should know by now what it's about, it's really a celebration of urban alternative music. The music that, as I say as a tagline, the music that, that the corporates, that commercial radio absolutely refuses to play, they just won't do it. Although, uh, and we've had her as a guest, one of the main managers of the movement and of the festival, Jocelyn Cooper, and we might try to get her on before this forthcoming festival. Um, we've had her on, and... We talk about these things and what it represents and how it started out. It's more than a decade old now, starting out from Brooklyn. Actually, I think it started out as like a small venue, almost a basement venue, more than 10 years ago in Brooklyn. And now it's a festival where upwards of between 50 and 70,000 people attend in the Brooklyn Fair, the Brooklyn weekend towards the second or third, I think it's the third weekend of August. So this has become a monster. It's probably one of the biggest festivals in New York. Not that dissimilar from New York Comic Con, which now I believe the attendance at New York Comic Con is actually greater than San Diego Comic Con. No disrespect to our own left coast, Claire Lanay. <laughs> um, so with Afropunk, um, what we're hearing now, you know, it started out small, started out from the bottom. <laughs> Shout out to Drake. Uh, the corporates have put in some money, and people are complaining because now where it used to be about 20 bucks to get in or even free, now it costs money. That's one thing. And then there's this other deal with the acts that are attending. Uh, initially, it really was a focus on punk, black punk rockers. 
at some point it expanded to really an urban alt thing where it's 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 groups and and artists that are of of a diff, are of a different different breed different beaten path they're doing something different which I can appreciate I mean I like punk but I like all kinds of different music now you know metal's there punk um different kinds of hip hop uh you know it's all over the place as far as what kind of music can be played at afropunk but I want to I want to um read this brief letter that Lena Dawes or I think Lena Dawes actually this might be from some I don't know where this is from maybe this is this is from somewhere that she she wrote this on a website somewhere and again we have Miss Dawes on to promote her book um briefly I'll read this and then I'll, I'll open it up pass it around I want to hear what what Daryl thinks about this she says the post from the former Afropunk staffer is not surprising so somebody from Afropunk said some stuff as it mirrors experiences, experiences I've heard from several other people, including personal experiences I've had with the organizer. However, I wanted to play devil's advocate for a sec. First, if you have ever read an interview with organizer Matthew Morrison in response to the various complaints about the organization, it's clear he is more concerned with developing a brand that targets those he feels are more economically viable attendees who are more desirable to potential sponsors than young black punks. That is why the festival has mainstream headliners or those who have a buzz versus more authentic artists whose music and philosophy is more aligned with the original philosophy of what Afropunk used to be, but no longer is. Secondly, black communities do not support black artists involved in alternative and aggressive music genres. We acknowledge that unlocking the truth is a viable band only after they got mainstream attention from media outlets and a million-dollar BS record deal. Same with Valerie June, Willis Earl Beale, Gary Clark Jr., the Alabama Shakes, and other artists that pitchfork beat Ebony, complex vibe and essence to the media punch. We can take living color, fishbone, and like the idea of bad brains, even though we care more about their reputation as one of the first D.C. punk bands than their actual music. Oh, yeah, and wearing a bootleg concert T-shirt makes you look edgy. As someone who has photographed Afropunk a few times, I can guarantee you there are black people who show up with African face paint, Afro wigs, and fake nose piercings who are more concerned with getting photographed by Elle or Vogue and landing in the, psych- in the style section of the New York Times than who is performing. All right, <laughs> I'll stop there. Daryl, <laughs> what say you about this? And they're going to tie in the Comic Con thing. Oh, I I agree with her. We saw it. We saw it last year. I, I, you know, we're cutting through the crowd to to get to certain venues, and we're we're hearing uh, in the crowd and stuff. Oh, I don't like these people. I'm just here, just to. To see this, or I'm here just to see this, and I'm like, but you're not going around experiencing everything. Yeah, I mean, this specific artist you want to hear, sure, but hey, is it the point of this to find artists you haven't heard? Is it the point of this? Not, oh, let me let me get that eight dollar like drink, or let me get that. Uh, no, that isn't the point. The point is to go and rock your socks off. 
right? I, I, I still remember hearing some of the laughs and stuff when we went to, to catch uh, Sharon Jones. Oh, yes. And, and the Dap Kings. And I led us through, and uh, that was two years ago. Two years ago, I led us through around the corner, and we're getting up close to the stage, and there's people leaving the front. Hey, no disrespect to you, because we got your spots. But I'm like, you sat through this, but you're leaving for Sharon Jones? Sharon Jones is leaving. You're leaving Sharon Jones. Don't you realize whoever performed before Sharon Jones is going to give you three times the performance? Obviously, you've never heard of the lady. Obviously, you've never heard of Dap Kings. And, again, this, this goes to her point about, oh, they need to hit it big. Or they, we only pay attention to them after they hit it big or whatever. That, but that's incumbent on the fans now, too. Hey, Afropunk, I give them credit. Since, what, since February, they put out a lineup for what Brooklyn, uh, what, what's going to be on the Brooklyn show. All right? If you go to their site, if you look up Brooklyn, uh, August 27th through 28th, if you look up the Brooklyn Afropunk Fest, I don't know why they put Fest there, but they put Fest there, and you see the bands, you can obviously, obviously freaking go on your own to the net and do research on them. But just like this, everybody knows Tyler, the creator. Everybody knows Ice Cube. If you don't know TV on the radio, where have you been? If you don't know CeeLo Green, where have you been? If you don't know Flying Lotus, where have you been? But I think it's the sixth name down that me and D-Bert are going to hit. And if uh, the captain has time, because the sixth name on the list is Janelle Monet. Yes, that is popular. Yes, she's a well-known name. But... Um, she's not like other stars. Um, she hasn't effed up, has she? She she she's someone that should be supported by by black radio and 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 the mainstream, but she isn't. That's the point of Afropunk right there. Here is an artist who has the chops. Here is an artist who has the gravitas, who you know if they get the point and get out there would rock people's socks off. And we're going to go out and support that. Once we become corporate, once we lose sight of why it's there in the first place, we're in a danger, and this is going to piss some people off, but I'm going to say it, we're in the danger of becoming Live Aid. We're in the danger to, of becoming Lollapalooza. We're in the danger of becoming Glastonbury, where it no longer becomes supporting favorite artists. It no longer becomes listening to new music. It's all about becoming sheep for the corporate machine. Yes, I said it. And you know I'm Daryl B. And you know you could come at me if you disagree. Back to you, Afro Nerd. Claire, I don't know if they're going to have. Well, I'm pretty sure at some point they will have a an Afro punk for the West Coast. I know that. You know, I'm really. You know, this is the, this is the part that's very. Um, 
painful for me because I, I am, and Daryl is too, uh, and even the captain as well. We're supporters of this movement, but you can see the corporate tentacles, and I was there to see and to interview Ms. Cooper about what she was trying to do. But um, to see it from Brooklyn, and now there's a Paris Afropunk, there's a London Afropunk, which you, you even sent a link to me, um, with the MIA, MIA controversy. And I think MIA might actually still appear now. Even that, I mm-hmm. think. You know, so, so they, she would, first she kicked herself off. Now they brought her back on. I think there was some kind of dialogue. So I, I think actually that's a good thing. Um, if someone kind of put her in the corner and say, listen, black and brown lives matter, stupid. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that's what I would have said. I would have I said stupid. I would have said, you know, let's kind of like, and I'm not even a, a, a complete supporter of Black Lives Matter. I, want, I even want that to be expanded to, to mean more than what it is. Anyway, so MIA's back in, in, in effect, allegedly. There probably will be a, uh, probably an Afropunk Oakland, although I thought there might have been. Daryl, was there ever an Afropunk Oakland? Was it just talked about? I thought it was talked about. I thought they did do a rock show there, with um, uh, of, of course, uh, what, what was it? Kill Count, Kill Count. Um, no, Body Ice Count. T- Body Count. Body Count. I know Body Count. Um, Booyah Tribe. They they put on rock shows there all the time, actually. But they wanted to do something bigger. I just didn't hear. I mean, it, uh, part of what she's talking about, the publicity wasn't there. <laughs> and and believe it or not, that's uh, uh, Oakland, Oakland, San Francisco area is a hotbed for her, for black rock music. It would be a perfect place for a show, but didn't hear about it. So anyway, um, and I think you know Coachella gets all of the. The accolades, and I think this might be the black Coachella. I mean, that's what I, that's how it might be. That might be positive or negative. Two ways of looking at that. But I guess what I'm what I'm what I'm saying is, um, when I look at this, look at Afropunk and the the comic book festival. Um, I don't know if you you I don't you you have not gone to a comic book festival yet, right, Claire? Comic Con? No, I haven't. Oh, this is gonna be great. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you, well, you, you, she, she might be pissed off from the jump because we we were seeing these things from the early days when they were just dusty bins and and aging comic writers, and now there are uh, you know co- half naked cosplayers. I mean, it's like Vegas now, and I, I'm starting to see the same things that are that we would com- complain about with Afropunk, with the Comic Cons. Um, what are your thoughts about? The corporatizing of some of this stuff That some of the things that we really like Sometimes you have to be careful With wanting them to be bigger Even what we desire as far as Nerds of color When we try to put, put out like we, we want more exposure We want people to know us But then there's, like a, there's also a, a potential for a negative reaction That okay once you're known Then you become corporate Then you become whitewashed Shout out to Akira so what? what do you, well, that's happening. That's that's the part. Sometimes you have to be careful what you ask for. Do you see some of that with what we're even talking about? That you know, sometimes we have to kind of be, you know, we have these these cultures that are underground. They're subcultures, but once the corporates get involved, they mean something else. They're hinting that even at Afropunk, 
that all of a sudden the attend they want the attendees to be white. That's that was that's really what she was saying. White with money. What are your thoughts about that? I mean the potential for that. It's a tricky thing here. It's a, it's tricky because, like anything, regardless of if it's Afro punk or you know these comic book conventions or or just anything in general. I mean, the point is is that you you love something, you want it to be successful, you want to share it. Um, the problem is is that <laughs> if people don't support it, if people don't you know come out in droves and and show the love, then then you're going to have that mentality that like okay well well then we we want we want to cater to people with money we want to cater to people that are willing to to invest basically you know and so when you get into that that mindset as you said once things turn corporate then the shine the the luster of of how special this once was it's it's stripped away it's stripped away because then it becomes all about, like you said, posing for pictures. And these posers with, you know, the fake nose ring or the the hipster hat or, you know, the the rock and roll, you know, torn up jeans and T-shirt and whatever, just, just trying to act like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with it. I'm part of this. But really it's just. It's any opportunity they can to try to climb the ranks and 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 seem like they're I don't know fringe or trying to do something that's cool or out there. When I see it all the time here, I'm not too far away from you know kind of like the Silver Lake area. Um, not that that means anything to you, but you know in Los Angeles, it's it's uh, it's it's hipsterville, mm-hmm. you know. And the and it's funny because hipsters, the way they talk, the way they dress, it's all about imbibing. Oh well, I'm part of it, man. I'm part of the struggle, you know. <laughs> oh please, I know how much money your parents make. Like I know that this is all an act. This is all a put on. So don't act like you're so political and you're all about the sociological ramifications of Black Lives Matter and this, that, and the other. No, no, you're not. You're not with it. You 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 are capitalizing on the movement. You're trying to you're trying to get in on the struggle because it 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 there's I mean oddly enough there's some sort of prestige in it. There's some sort of pride in it, you know. But it's not as if a lot of these people actually share it. So I what you're describing I'm I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all that. Unfortunately, those that are in true alignment with the the message of it, they're going to get drowned out. You know, it, it's going to fade. It's going to be all about, well, who's going to spend some money on these tickets, on the merchandise, on this, the the commercialism of it. We, I mean, I just had this conversation um, about Star Trek. You know, about Star Trek. I mean, I mean, I looking at the trailers. I gotta oh, yeah. say, while while I am still going to see it, of course I'm gonna see it. I am a Trekkie, through and through. But the song choices, the the the, the promotion. I mean, it's questionable to me for someone to play Beastie Boys or Rihanna for Star Trek. 
Nothing against either of them, okay? Nothing against either of them. But neither one is in alignment with Star Trek to me. So much of what's going on here is not in alignment with with not just the original series or TNG, DS9, Voyager. Uh, I, I mean, just, just in general with the, the vision, the message, you know, that that the show once had it it meant something it was about you something know, it taught you something now it's even chris pine the lead actor lead actor himself is saying oh well you can't make a cerebral movie oh, oh thanks thank you thank you for saying that you can't make a smart movie in 2016 thank you so much let me give you all my money well Call i would be a dummy I would say Beastie Boys fits much more than Rihanna, given all the history of Beastie Boys' philanthropic works outside the music realm. I could take Beastie Boys. Once I heard Rihanna was a part of it, I did I did a Sergio Mims eye roll like, really, Rihanna? Really? <laughs> really? Oh, you a nerd, Rihanna? You a nerd all of a sudden, as of yesterday? Let me calm down. Let me just calm down. It's funny, you know, that you're bringing this up because I have to confess that as soon as I started seeing the trailers and hearing the music, and I I actually like the Beastie Boys, but when I heard it juxtaposed next to the trailer, it took me out of, it it was out of sorts. Something about it, it it, it, it turned me off. I kind of recoiled because, like, okay, this doesn't feel right. It it just doesn't doesn't feel right. Regardless of their ideology and what the band themselves, you know, stood for, listen, again, no disrespect. And, yes, I understand it's a callback to that song that they played for for a little bit at the beginning of the first J.J. Abrams movie. I get it. I understand why they might have chosen it. But to me, to play that throughout the whole first trailer is not a strong choice. Yeah, it's bold. It's bold, and clearly you're catering to a younger demographic. You're catering to, to me, and I don't want to sound harsh, but this is what it feels like, lowest common denominator. You want to have big explosions. You want to have action. You want to have fast and furious in outer space. I get it. I understand. But this is not Star Trek. Star Trek is not meant to be a generic action romp. It's supposed to be cerebral. It's supposed to make you think about certain things. It's supposed to make you question, you know, sociological, societal views and, 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 I don't know, the possibility of our future. I mean, it's supposed to be deep. Come on. And so when you start playing this stuff and and it's supposed to be all, you know, rock and roll and motorcycles, and all this stuff of being badass, I'm like, okay, you know what? You, and I, I know, I know, Simon Pegg, he co-wrote it. He's, he's promising that there's more to it. And then they went radio silent. After that first trailer, radio silent for like four or five months. We didn't hear anything because they were retooling the script, redoing this, adding a whole new character, adding all these different scenes and elements Second trailer was okay, it was a little bit better. And then you got this third trailer with Rihanna. And I'm just like, oh, God, dang. 
I mean, really, Rihanna, I, I'm okay with her. I'm all right with her. But she does not belong in this universe. I'm sorry. I'm just, it, it has to be said. Who, who is who is in charge of the marketing for this movie? Because if your job is to piss off every single Star Trek fan out there, you're doing a hell of a job. <laughs> Cap. Cap. That, that's the calm, Claire Lene, by the way, audience. Uh Cap, you know, usually you usually weigh in on the business side. I mean, isn't this inevitable? Even our complaints about Afro Punk, and you know, I, I've made the same thing, same complaints with uh, New York Comic Con. I started noticing all of a sudden you see a a, a, uh, a Chevrolet, a Corvette, and this is true. You see a Corvette and a, and a truck uh, and a kiosk for Chevy in the middle of Comic Con. You'll see all these corporate entities. In, in the middle of Comic-Con. I mean, you, something you didn't necessarily see before. And then you start to see less comics at Comic-Con. And you see, you know, other stuff. So, I mean, Afropunk, you know, that's when you start to see the, the, the connection between all of these festivals. And they, be, they become less of what they originally were supposed to be. Uh, when Claire brought up, brought up, um, fan, uh, sorry, brought up uh, Star Trek, if you go back to the, to the 60s original series, it was a very cerebral, introspective game changer, and people didn't get it at the time. It was only three, people. People think that you know this has been around. The original series was around like forever. It was only around for three seasons in the '60s, and it was you know it was kind of off-putting back then. The first interracial kiss, which we still talk about, uh, was through Star Trek. A lot of firsts were through Star Trek. So now it's you know now we have Rihanna. And the Beastie Boys in a Star Trek film. I mean, it's it just what is this inevitable, sir? What what's going on? Well, not to be a bastard, but I am a bastard. Not to be a bastard, but not to be a bastard. You go back into the archives, all right. I'm not a Johnny Come Lately. I said this was going to happen, as far as Afro Punk is concerned, because you're dealing with a person who's actually a music person. All right, that's the first thing. She's a music person. Right, Jocelyn so, Cooper you're talking about. Yes. You go from the point from art dictating the money, then it goes to the part where the money is dictating the art. Anything that starts out underground then goes commercial. We've seen this already with rap music. Listen to how rap, rap would sound when it was on the underground. Look what happened when it went commercial. The money starts dictating the art. Look where we are right now, you know? Panda designer. What is he saying on the record? The record actually sounds hot, but he's not. He's not rapping. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> this is where we are. You know, I got boomers in Atlanta. <laughs> what is that? Uh, sounds hot though. You know, but it is what it is. That's where we are at this given point. And the same thing you see here in Comic Con. Now to talk about Star Trek, anything that got J.J. Abrams, J.J. Abrams, whether he's producing, directed, or he's you know executive producing, whatever, he's not there. To make anything cerebral in any way, shape, or form, he's going to make it glossy. It's going to look good. It's going to make some money, and you're going to get an all right film. That's what he does. Anything that he's involved with, because blockbusters a lot of times that's just what it is. It's real simple. It's eighth grader level. It's not like the series. It's eighth grader level. Get in, make you feel good, and you get out. Oh, that looked nice. Look at the special effects. And if you look at it, the special effect it looks really nice. That's what he does. That's what he does. That's what it's going to be. 
You understand? It's given time. And they have to play those games because the budgets are so huge. But in actuality, Star Trek has a very big following. They could probably try to play around a little bit. Maybe you bring in some guy like a Nolan, you know, maybe play around with a little bit, you know, and see what happens. I wouldn't recommend what he did in, in his sci-fi movie exactly with spelling out all the science. You know, I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of that. Science is boring. You don't want to spell it out. You just mention it. But he's actually a really, really good writer at the end of the day. So, you know, it, this is just inevitable. You know? No Go back in the archive and listen where I said it. I said it a few times. That, over to you, that's a scary concept, actually. Nolan on Star Trek. That... We may have the first four-hour theatrical movie in that case, that, but that would be wild. That actually would be wild. Yeah. I got to mention. I got to mention one other thing, and then I want to go to a groove, and then we'll come back. I want to talk about uh, the Vision comic as well as the, as well as the, the Descender comic. Now, I've yet to purchase Descender. I'm assuming Daryl B made some familiarity with this book. Are you familiar with Descender by Jeff Lemire? I've heard of it. I've I've seen synopsis. I haven't read it. I'm going to go into it a little bit. Um, okay. IO9 covered actually both of these books. I'm, I I know the Vision solo series, and I like it, but it is a strange book. Very strange. <laughs> uh, but then Vision is a strange character. Uh, Descender is also dovetailing off of this whole um, love of robots thing, android life, uh, artificial intelligence. So... I want to talk about these two books and focus on them. And I also want to go back into Rough Riders for a moment. Um, it's very important that, you know, sometimes I might mention something off the cuff, and then I fail to really acknowledge it the way that I should. So I might actually talk about Rough Riders again. Uh, I found some interesting things about, about other stuff tangentially connected to Rough Riders. But I want to mention something else quickly. Um, I, I listened to the YouTube podcast of comedian uh, Corey Holcomb. Very funny, very ribald. Uh, he's a uh, series regular on Black Jesus. Unquestionably a funny guy. Kind of an acerbic wit. Um, out of Chicago, Chi-Town. Shy, and um, just to kind of show you how people think when it comes to this urban alternative stuff, how people can be very dismissive. And that's, that's also at issue as well. Um, that that piece that Lena Dawes wrote hinted at when they were talking about just like our podcast, you know, they were talking about um, well, not like our podcast, but they were talking about uh, the the recent BET award show, 2016, and they referenced Janelle Monae, and I guess he was being funny. Well, he's a comedian, but you know, comedians tell a their truth, so. Janelle, May, Janelle Monet comes out, and I love Janelle Monet. Janelle, Janelle Monet represents my people, so to speak. I mean, she's kind of that off kilt type of girl. She's very attractive, um, very talented, uh, a prince protege, I would say, a recent prince protege. Um, I love, I love her. I think she's just, she's just great. She's, she is what I would want to see out of a, out of a modern woman's artist. She keeps it relatively clean. Um, I mean, she does her thing. Anyway, he, he had said, uh, oh, yeah, that girl, that's the girl that, you know, she's cute, but nobody buys her music. You know, she said, like, nobody knows her, nobody buys her music. And he did it, and people laughed. 
you know, her, his crew laughing. I said, I said, you know, that's exactly what the problem is. So when someone that's, and I think he represents kind of like the mainstream uh, black audience. I should, I could even expand it beyond just the black audience, but for the sake of this conversation, the mainstream black audience. That you know, if it's not Fetty Wap, if it's not um, even Kendrick Lamar to a certain degree, but even Kendrick Lamar, we know him and he's respected. And he does move units to a certain degree, but he's still put in the corner for some reason. If you're not doing that real um, ignorant stuff, if you're not doing that, then anything else out of that doesn't count. So he was very dismissive of Janelle Monáe. And I said, that's what the problem is. And she's cute, but nobody buys the music. You know, he says, like, nobody buys the music. She's cute. I'm like, wow. And, and actually, that's not really funny. That's the problem. No, it's sad. It it's it's sad, and and it's stuff that I, I that I I again, I recommend this. If you got YouTube, the song's still on there. Listen to Lupe Fiasco State Run Radio, okay? And you will see all of our complaints when it comes to highlighting. St- Stuff that that that's underground, be put to the fore, and and I remember Sugar Tongue Slim said it like this. Oh, I I remember when we used to get full albums. Now we just rapping to get ringtones. Enough said. Yeah. Yeah, that that that's what's that issue for me, Daryl. I mean, I you know, listen, we try to promote some of the stuff, and you know, I think too. You know, I think we're respected for it. I, I get uh, Twitter responses and emails from folks that seem to be very intrigued about the music that we play. And if people actually heard what's out here, they would be surprised. But we're not allowed to hear this stuff. And then it doesn't help that you have these comedians that can just make fun. And, say, and, and, and the, the real dig is nobody is selling any music, Rihanna included. Not really. Not really. There's no. There's no. Uh, there's no. There's no uh, record stores. You know, you, you're 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 selling um, MP3s. You know, you're selling iTunes music. You get. You have to. You have to be able to perform now, on stage. That's what's up. If you can't do it, then you know we will see what goes down. But I mean, you know. Anyway, I, I can go on and on and on. Um, folks, this is the Grindhouse edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk, the uncanny Darrell being, of course, left coast correspondent Claire Linnae. Um Let's go to New Groove. Uh, this is One More Chance by Salute featuring Dram. One More Chance, New Groove. We'll be right back.
constraints folks once again one more chance by salute featuring dram give you the very best the absolute very best of urban alternative groove black rock and roll psychedelic soul afro punk all that good stuff folks the stuff that obviously corporates they refuse to play this stuff um reasons unknown reasons unknown people tell me all the time if this why isn't this stuff played i can't answer the question i can't answer the question they keep on dumbing down the music. Um, again, i got to go on a soapbox briefly. I, I saw the BET Awards last week, and I have to admit I was somewhat melancholy about, about it. You know, my favorite artist, people know this, is Mr. Nelson from Minneapolis, dying suddenly a few months ago. And, uh, you know, you realize that you know, that dude was, was, like, really one of the last remaining musician, musicians, um, black musicians that could actually do it. And there were some folks that did their thing. Shout out to Sheila E., shout out to Bilal, shout out to Jennifer Hudson, and so forth. They did an admirable job. But at the end of the day, someone who really poured themselves out, like gave, gave you complete emotional content on stage, hearkening back to uh, the early underpinnings of black music, whether it's, um, whether it's someone like Lady Day, Billie Holiday, or... Um, Bessie Smith, folks like that, um, good luck. <laughs> good luck with your Fetty Wap. Good luck with your designer. <laughs> That's all I got to say. <laughs> wow. I, let, me, let me just move along. 
Let me open up the lines. Uh, let's go to 703 from the DMV. What's up, citizen? Hey, how are you doing, um, everyone? This is Bikes for Life calling from outside of D.C. Hope all is well in this holiday weekend. Oh, yeah. Keep it safe, people. Keep it safe. Yeah. I I came in a little late, so I caught the end of diatribe, so I just want to just chime in on a few things. Um, First, you know, me and you kind of go on about this. I know you love railing against the music um, business or what what passes for it. But a couple things. First, people consume music differently. And two, the um, radio stations of our youth in our early adulthood is long gone. Um, we discussed, you know, what happened to regards to the um, Federal Communications Act of the 90s and how that just changed the game up. I mean, people just consume music differently. Also, I got to push back on you in regards to talent. There's still a lot of talented musicians out there. Um, they're not known. I mean, I find a lot of them through, I steam a lot of music, st- excuse me, stream a lot of music. I mean, there's a lot of good acts out there. I just, I just don't go by the radio models anymore. The, um, I mean, it's not the '80s anymore. I mean, in New York, you knew this. I mean, you can turn on Frankie Crocker, you can hear Prince, then Human League, then Bowie, then Parliament Funkadelic, then Run DMC. It, it, you just don't have that anymore. You have that online, but you're not going to get that from um, American Urban Radio. It's, that train left. At the beginning of the century And it's not coming back But I gotta disagree I mean I look at jazz And some other genres There's a lot of talented people out there I can just give you one group um, Kamashi Washington He's a jazz um, Oh yeah Yep And he has this whole group With Flying Lotus Thundercat um, Terrence Martin It's just This whole Collective Coming out of LA These are young guys All of them under 40 I think um, Terrence Martin is doing an album with um, Herbie Hancock. He's producing that now. So let's not just throw it all away. You know, we see a few coons out there and think, you know, everything's going to hell in a handbasket, but it hasn't. Um, I was going kind of going back and forth in the chat room in regards to, you know, Star Trek and some other things. Um, the movie business is reflecting America in general. We like things dumbed down. When it's too cerebral, a la Interstellar or Inception, you know, people think people are kind of taken aback with that. Well said. Uh, so, what do you want? I mean, what do you want, American movie audience? You want loud explosions, or do you want to think? Because when you put out something you want to think, people are not going to see it, and we don't want to. You know, do actual work and seek out of a, a, a independent film. I saw the Miles Davis film with um, Don Cheadle, but you know, it opened on Friday and closed on Sunday. It is what it is. So, I mean, there are still movies being put out here. And I know Sergio can, you know, he knows more of his pinky, my whole body when it comes to um, all things cinema. But there's still there are festivals out there. There's still product being put out here that makes you think. But people don't want to seek them, um, seek them out. Now, another thing I want to touch on quickly, I don't know if you talked about this. I kind of caught edges of it. It's Afropunk. And I don't know if you heard yeah. about what happened in London. 
So if you talked about that, oh yeah, I'll we just, I won't. We we spoke. I, won't well, I was just. That. I mean, not to interrupt you, but we spoke about it last week with the MIA affair, and that you know she was she removed herself. Now she's back on, but we also spoke about this this letter that a former guest wrote, Lena Dawes. If you remember her, she's the the African American woman out of Canada that wrote a book about her experiences being a black heavy metal supporter in a, in a predominantly white you know white genre. Um, but she weighed in on how Afropunk has become more has become more corporatized, how the acts are more the acts are more headlining. That those rare acts or the acts, the, the purpose of Afropunk with with it really trying to um, promote these underground artists, some of that is starting to kind of recede in favor of the acts that you already know. Um, the, the, the corporates are in there, and I also balance that with the same deal with Comic Con. Comic Con suffers from the same thing. Once the corporates start coming, everything gets light in the ass, so to speak. I'm going to ask um, Captain Kirk, and I don't know if Sergio is on, but people who, and Claire, who are in the media or on the fringes, at the end of the day, you're going to need money to um, make something a a product. And I'm sorry. I think he oh. dropped off. Well, well, let, since we had Bison on, let me let me just do this real quick. Um, this week, folks, okay, Solar Man number one comes out. All right, Joseph Village and Stephen Harris, go get this book. All right, go get this book. Trust me, I trust the creators. Do it. Also. Captain America's Sam Wilson 11 comes out this week, all right? If you did not pick up 10 and you are a black comic book fan, you need to pick it up just for one scene where Sam and Misty walk into a room with a bunch of black heroes. I won't give away the scene. You just need to see it. But as far as the music thing goes, Bison, this is why I listen to Nerdcore. <laughs> this is why I am a rocker. Because I could get stuff like Designer, where I'm like, this doesn't make any... And have someone like Mega Ran, a.k.a. Random, take his beat... Turn it into a referendum on the Mega Man genre, and all of a sudden, oh, this song is hot. <laughs> I could get Adam Warrock to take a Miley Cyrus song and get me hooked on it. You know, it it just depends. The, look, you may hate the artists, but you see, music in the right hands, music is a powerful tool. It's just. It's just we need the right hands in control of the music again. And that's where he brought up Kamasi Washington, that great, great thing. If you want to hear new music played live, look at your late-night talk shows because they're always putting on someone I don't know about 
that. I see them perform live, and I have to go, all right, you know what? That sounded kind of hot. Let me go back. Let me see if I can find this artist. You know, the the late show, tonight show, all of these late night shows, Jimmy Kimmel, Fallon, they put on artists that you may not hear of. And then all of a sudden you're going back and take a look at their catalog. So Bison is right. Music is not dead. The problem is a lot of people in the mainstream are too lazy to go out and look for it. We're not. We we hear something hot. We put on each other right away. But a lot in the mainstream are just, oh, that's the new Rihanna joint. Oh, that's the new A, B, or C joint. Oh, it sounds okay. I'll just keep on listening to it. That's you. Back to you, Afrener. Well, you know something else, and we're going we're gonna to get into these, these comics. But I will say this, that... Um, I hang around a lot of folks of varied ages. I don't really do the age thing. Um, and, you know, I play music in front of folks that are in their 20s that they're asking me, like, well, where, what, is, like what is that? How come I'm not hearing it? It's different if, you, if, if you're like, because I, do I don't play, like, old music. I do play, well, even the term old music, I think, is kind of a, a, a misnomer. Uh, there's music that I discover that might be decades old that's new to me because I'm just hearing it for the first time. Even that mentality has to change. You know, when I was in college, I was, I was listening to music decades, decades before me, but I was in awe of it because it's the first time I heard of it. I didn't put a date on it like that. But that's, that's, that's kind of a mental thing. Um, but anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, and Daryl was there. You know, we, when we were looking at Leonley Havis, who's in her mid-20s from England, and she is really supremely talented, unquestionably. Great guitarist, not hard on the eyes, um, great vocalist. She should be, she should be much, much further ahead. She should just be, just be much further ahead. I'm sorry. It's criminal <laughs> that this young woman isn't more popular. Um, but and then, I, I see... But, well, hold on, let me finish my point. I see a young lady. Uh, we're talking, and she's like, "Well, who's that? I never. I, w- w- what's going on?" I'm like, "It's Leon Lee Hobbs." Like Daryl and I were doing this throughout that sh- throughout that concert, educating these people about like they didn't know they were mouths were open about what they were hearing. So it's it's a little deeper. I mean, I hear what Bison is saying, and listen, we're in our own heads. Daryl and I don't have these issues with music because we're always passing music around. I'm always here. I hear new music all the time. But as far as, like, what used to be more commonplace, it shouldn't be a secret. The, the, I don't have problems with the music as far as my personal taste in finding it. I will find what I need. But as far as the general public, they're, they're being purposely kept dumb. And when, I, and when we are with the public and they're telling me, what is that? Why am I not hearing it? That means there's a problem. It's not like these people like are absolutely satisfied with Rihanna and Di- and designer. That's that's it. Yeah, but but and, and this goes to people out there. Don't be afraid to try new things. I I listen to K-pop. <laughs> I I listen to baby metal. 
I listen to classical. I listen to guys like White Panda and Go Team and and um, Girl Talk who mash up current songs to, uh, with, with old rock hits that make it like, what the hell is that? If you're just walking in, but if you give it a second, it just rolls off your thing. You don't have to be the idiot in the audience waiting three hours for a star to show up to listen to the music. Hi, D'Angelo. Hi, Lauren Hill. I still hate both of you for what you did there. You know, <laughs> you don't have to be that sheep there. If you if the big star is going to be a prima donna, guess what? I'm going to the corner. Or what rap is happening here? New cat afro. If you got my Facebook, you've seen the video I posted up that I got from several sources. Listen to this 18-year-old spit bars. All right? There's music everywhere. You just got to get off your ass and find it. Let's get into the comic thing, Afro Nerd. All right. I was, I was at the uh, io9 Gizmodo website a few days ago, and um, I was curious that, they, that more and more people, I'm starting to hear more and more people actually talk about their discovering of this Vision series. Now, Vision is, we, of course, are talking about the Vision from the Avengers, the Avengers movie. Um, long-time character. The character's about 50 years old now, since the late 60s. And he's always been an intriguing character. If you, know, if you go into his murky mythology, and I, I, for the sake of time, I'm not going to really go, go into it, but it, it's, it's a deep and long murky mythology. There was, a, there was even a Vision character that looks similar from the Golden Age. There's a Golden Age, Golden Age Vision with a kind of sort of similar power set, although his is more mystical in origin. This Vision is, more, is an android. He's more scientific. But they look similar. Anyway... He has his own series, A Game. And this series is interesting in the, in the sense that it's more of what you would expect from an AI, like this, this um, artificial being that, for all intents and purposes, is the bridge between biological humanity and synthetic humanity. I mean, he's a synthesoid. And even that term is, has been, become self-realized. Some of these things that Marvel talks about, gamma rays, cosmic rays, Synthesoids, you know, as growing up, when you hear these terminologies, you're thinking, oh, this is just, you're, you're led to believe, I know Daryl's chuckling about this stuff, you're led to believe that this is just fantasy. Not really. You know, this is what makes Stan, Stan Lee maybe a, a genius. Because you're starting to see, even vibranium, <laughs> even vibranium, I think vibranium has been patented patented as an actual thing. Uh, shout out to Elon Musk, you know, with his with his um, loop. If that loop becomes real, and it probably will, the metal that this thing rides on top of some of the some of the the um, the principles of that of that metal harken back to vibranium. I'm talking about Wakandan vibranium. Vibranium has become a real thing. Believe it or not, kryptonite is a real thing. So anyway, this this vision storyline deals with you know it's the old story of Pinocchio in a way. It's it's longing to be human, and in his quest for humanity, he creates a family. 
based on his oh, – actually, Darryl, is it based on his brain patterns, variants of his brain patterns? Well, I thought it could be variants of his, but I thought he used the same tech that Ultron used with the, um, in Ultron Unlimited, which, which gave each the, – the mother, the daughter, and the son, even the dog – each of them have got their own personality traits, so it's not exactly his patterns, but it's like that Ultron need to have a family. That's what he just, he did, and unfortunately, um, there's divine responses to when you just create a family of personalities. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's a very interesting series that he you know he's in D.C. or on the suburbs of D.C. He lives in, in, a, in a home. They have family gatherings, but it's very awkward because they're androids, so they're still trying to find themselves. And there's kind of a, a bloody, murderous undercurrent, accidental murderous undercurrent un, underneath all of this. And there's also kind of the, the hiding of things. So it's, there's a lot of subplots. There's a lot of issues with, with um, whether these AIs, Aside from vision, vision seems to be okay, but everybody else has their own issues. So maybe that makes them more human than one would like because they're crazy. Or they're, or, they're essentially or infants. They're yes. infants. They have to learn. The problem is when you're learning and you're dealing with human life and you could rip like cars in half, learning the curve is a little bit steep here. A little steep, very steep here. <laughs> but we're all agreed. This is a type of series that Marvel couldn't pull off like 15 years ago. <laughs> this is definitely not. This is something out of Fangoria, folks. Yeah. So this is this was created by Tom King, Gabriel Hernandez, uh, Jordi Belair, and Clayton Cowles. So you have this group, these guys and, and women getting together um, to create I, what I think is probably one of the, the more interesting books out of Marvel. It plays like an indie book, to be honest with you, the way that, you know, there's a lot of implications. Um, again, one of the better Vision series. There have been, there have been several Vision miniseries over the years. Um, you know, as time goes on, you know, comics, comics can argue, you can arguably say that comics are better. There was a little, a little bit of a hokiness going back 20, 25 years. Now the comics have kind of arrived. You know, they, they read more like movie scripts, and I think that obviously that's on purpose. Uh, folks now know that you know, when you write a comic, you have to really bring it because it could easily be optioned. Um, actually, I think, I think, has The Cinder been optioned, Daryl? Yes, they are I talking think, movies Sony, with that. So Descender, I don't know completely. I know that it's a, uh, another futuristic, maybe post-apocalyptic thing with robots involved, like a robot society. Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to get the books. I think it's maybe, I don't know how many issues we're in with this thing. But I, I, I thought it was interesting that you're juxtaposing two Android AI storylines. Uh, Image is with, Image has, has a Descender, but... Again, Im- Image, they're optioning movies again. So this is, I find it interesting. I think, again, to our audience, I would definitely implore, implore that they check out this Vision 
ongoing series, as well as the cinder, the cinder by image. But I, I thought it was something to note that uh, both these are kind of coexisting, and they, they ironically deal with robots. Yeah, one's so a I'm, family I'm one, and uh, Descender is um, what's the best way to tell people Descender? Uh Descender is essentially the Terminator in reverse. You will find yourself rooting for the robots. I, I guess that's the best way to describe it. I <laughs> look, hey, if you've read Jeff Lemire's Valiant work. <laughs> You know he approaches technology at a weird angle at times, most times. The sender continues that, but there's no editorial oversight, so Lemire is able to go nuts. And the sender, yeah, he goes nuts. I may not pick up the book, but I have read a few issues. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire, you know... Uh, all props to him. He's the type. He's the type of guy I want uh, wanted to uh, like write the Borg in Star Trek. If if there was ever going to be a Borg series where you see things from their point of view, I'm tapping Jeff Lemire now. Well, okay, I'm tapping Lemire and I'm tapping Warren Ellis. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the sender. If you're a fan of science fiction comics. Yeah, don't don't pass by this one. All right, let's let's turn things around a little bit. Um, I got to talk about Stacey Dash for like half a second. Oh boy. Um, will okay. we need volume? Probably. Well, Claire will need volume. <laughs> All right. First, let me play this um, this clip. I don't think it's of her. I think it's actually something she wrote. That's. She's becoming, I guess she's, she may be modeling herself as uh, the black, um, what's her name, uh, Ann, Ann Coulter. She, she's, she's vying for that where you just say provocative things to rile people. I, I, I don't get as upset when folks say certain things, and I know that there's an angle to it, when it looks a little manufactured. And then she misspelled cognitive dissonance and called it, said dissidence. I said, okay, you, you, you know, you, maybe you might want to study a little bit before you start using big words. Um, so I'm, I'm a little, you know, I, I just, I'm just not angry about people with their, for their opinions. But when it's tribal, when you think not like the tribe, rightfully or wrongfully, I mean, I think we just kind of know what she's trying to do. I mean, she's, she's kind of not working and acting anymore. And uh, Fox's checks are probably pretty good. And... You, you say what you need to say. I mean, maybe that's not an excuse, but uh, I'm just not as invested in being angry like this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not angry. Let me see if I can find her clip. Um, let's see, Daily News. Now, why can't I find this thing? You know what? I don't think I can find it. Anyway, if, 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 while I'm looking for this clip. <laughs> Live radio, folks. We know from last week from the BET Awards there were a number of standout, standout uh, appearances. One was from Grey's Anatomy actor Jesse Williams and his now um, legendary and viral speech about Black Lives Matter, about protest, 
about black pride. I mean, it was a whole bunch of things going on in that speech. And um, I am with half that speech for my own personal edification. I've heard it before. Um, I think it's, I think it's good. You know, I even I, there's a thing that I do. Uh, Claire might have heard this for the first time. There's a thing that I do involving Halle Berry that I, I liken to our community where we feel good based on what people say. This is from Halle Berry's infamous Monsters Ball you scene. You feel good. Can you All right. Uh, That's yeah, Halle okay. Berry. Okay, that's what she. That's what I think many of us feel like when we hear things that make us feel good, but doesn't doesn't really move the needle. So I, I appreciate his words, but there's things that we have to do. We can't just kind of sit back and just cry and whine and talk about and just talk about what's happening. You know, um, I feel for Claire, all of us. When we, th- when we think about the whitewashing issue, because it affects all of us. We've all seen that. But we've got to be able to figure out a way from, from getting up from under it. Um, sometimes I think we can get into too much of, of this kind of speechifying, and we just sit back kind of just massage each other's shoulders, and it continues happening. Someone, someone will make the next gods of Egypt. <laughs> you know, someone will, someone's making Akira. Someone's making a Ghost in a Shell. They're going to do this. And either you just kind of suck your thumb and, and, and just kind of zone out or you fight back. So uh, somehow, somehow Stacey Dash over at Fox, and Fox has an agenda, talked about how he works for, a, he works for BET. I mean, I'm sorry, that was on BET, and BET is actually a white-owned station, not that Fox isn't. But that's be- and not that she didn't work for BET for a few years, but that's beyond the point. You see where I'm getting at to our audience. Um, and she used the term, sl- you know, he's a slave at a plantation. So I-, I don't know if I can really believe. I can't. I don't. I don't believe what she says. I mean, she, you know, I don't believe Trump either. I just think that some folks are in are into saying certain things to rile you up. Ann Coulter has made this into a business model. She sells books this way. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, let's go. Let's go to, to Daryl on this one. What, what are your thoughts about, if you have any, on Stacey Dash responding to the, the Jesse Williams speech? I mean, because it still deals with diversity and kind of fighting the system, and she feels like you know, the system's okay. I guess I don't know. I'm, I don't. I, you know, she's a, she's paid to do this. And and I uh, and I'm not paid to give her any airtime or pub. Look, folks. You, you, again, this is another Boondocks was right situation. If you remember the Boondocks episode where they were with Ann Coulter after Riley used oh, yeah. a word, you know she laid out how CNN, Fox News, MSNBC work. All right, so so Stacey Josh is just falling in that line. But the more important thing, and I said it on Twitter, and I will tell this to people everywhere, it is great that you retweet Jesse Williams' speech. It is great that those people in that crowd gave him a standing ovation. But 
did you hear the speech or did you listen to the speech? That is the important thing. The next couple of months, maybe the next year, will tell me how many people there actually listened. How many people watching actually listened to what he was saying? No one's going to do for you. You got to start doing for yourself. And as you improve, people around you improve. Those people will improve people around them. But did you hear the speech or did you listen to it? Back to you, Afrenard. All right, I found that clip. Hold on. Stacey Dash has turned Jesse Williams' BET Awards acceptance speech into motivation for an attack. You've just seen the perfect example of a Hollywood plantation slave, Dash wrote on her Patheos blog. Sorry, Mr. Williams, but the fact that you were standing on stage at those awards tells people you really don't know what you're talking about, just spewing hate and anger. Dash continued to blast the Grey's Anatomy star for his critique of the bystander, a term she seemed to equate with white people in general, when it comes to matters of equality and fighting racism. You, my man, are just like everyone else hustling to get money, Dash wrote. Black entertainment television is white-owned. Get over yourself and get on with it. Dash, one of Hollywood's loudest conservative pundits, also called out the BET network for keeping racism and segregation alive and cited Sunday's award show as evidence. You know, there's another pundit. There's another pundit. What the hell is that um, music in the background? <laughs> I knew Claire would speak up at that one. I mean, what? That's... I mean, okay, so listen, I get it. You're you're a news, you're, you're a news segment, and you're sharing this tidbit. But I don't understand. What, are you selling soap? I mean, is this like a, a Downey commercial? I mean, well, I'm sorry. That was just really distracting. But please continue. Well, that was from the Daily News, by the way. Daily News, that's their shout-out to them. Had tip to Daily News. They were talking about this, and that's the, where that clip's from. But uh, as far as Stacey Dash and folks like her, and there's another woman, uh, Amy Lauren. I'm sorry, Amy. T- Tommy Lauren. Tommy Lauren from, from The Blaze. And The Blaze is um, Glenn Beck's outfit. And, and, and again, you know, listen, I'm, I am a, I'm a conservative person. I'm conservative, but... There's a way you can kind of dismantle some folk or kind of lend a different, lend a different viewpoint without completely being, uh, I don't know, coming off as if you're a complete hater. You know, she's coming off, these people are coming off so emotionally invested where, you, where it comes off like, you know what, I don't really believe you. And there's something that, you know, uh, when I've spoken to Claire or spoken to some, of, some other folks, um, you know, whether it's people on our team or some of our listeners, I always tell them that I'm more, I'm, I believe more in nuance because I think that's what life is really about. And I can, I can listen to Jesse Williams' speech and not be so angry about it. I know where, where he's coming from. I believe in a lot of what he says, but there's also a flip side that we have to address. You know, he's at the BET Awards. The BET, they, that's, that's Minstrel Central. They, they play the they play the they play the music that we just spoke about, you know. Hell, um, 
Stephen, what's the guy's name? We saw him at at the uh, at Afropunk last year, Daryl. Stephen, uh, he's the head of the exec. Yeah, Stephen, I can't think of his name right. Stephen Hill. Stephen Hill was at Afropunk in Brooklyn. And I wish I, 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 you know, I wasn't nervous. I could have just spoke to him. But I guess I was so reviled that he was there. Because I, I know that you, you're at Afropunk, and none of Afropunk is going to be... Sorry. Okay. Yeah, none of Afropunk is going to bleed into BET. And yet, famously, when he was on his, on his uh, Instagram page, he was raving about how all the hip people, all the cool people were at Afropunk. And all I could think of, scratch my head, is, okay, this is where the cutting edge is. This is where youth are located. Everything's about quote unquote youth. Why aren't you? Why isn't any of this translating into into BET? Which means there's something else going on. It's, it's about propaganda and programming and dumbing things down. Uh, the the rap group Little Brother and rap groups Little Little Brother and De La Soul were trying to have videos played on BET years ago, and I believe Stephen Hill had said that. Oh, that stuff is too intelligent for our audience. Now, if he can insult the audience and no one really gets mad about that, then it is what it is, unfortunately. But with uh, Williams making a speech at at the BET Awards, where you had some of the, the, the most wretched, ratchet acts, you know, it's like classy balance with the ratchet. You know, the Prince stuff was pretty cool. You had the Roots there. You had some of my people there. You know, Harry Belafonte was there at one point a few years ago. He was there on screen uh, speaking on behalf of, of, of Williams. Um, I mean, you know, but I, I'm, not, I'm not really comfortable with Ratchet mixing in with, with the classy and the, and the intellectual. I don't, think it, I don't think it can coexist. But BET tries to do that. So when he was speaking there, I mean, he even used the term terms gentrification and ghettoization. He, he kind of laid the um, placed the gauntlet out toward white culture and mainstream culture that you will no longer gentrify, gentrify our culture and ghettoize our culture. And I said, okay, Jesse, when you say ghettoize our culture, do you realize that the landlords of the ghettoized culture are in the audience? Now that just bypassed folks out there. So when you have um, Designer and a few of these other cats on stage, they're the landlords. They are rather, they're the tenants, pardon me, they're not the landlords. They're actually the tenants of the ghetto, the ghetto culture you, you, are, you just critiqued in your speech, but they didn't get it, though. See, that's how I would weigh in on it. I, I'm, not as, I'm not angry like uh, the, the Tommy Lawrence and the Stacey Dashes. That's the part that, part that makes, makes me, it makes it seem all phony. I'm honest about my critique. I don't believe Tommy Lauren and, and um, Stacey Dash are honest. I mean, I, when, they, when I saw that, I saw something on YouTube, they reminded us that she posed nude for Playboy. I mean, you know, she's a hustler. This is the new hustle now. What happened to all those nude shots from a few years ago? What was that from someone who's allegedly conservative? And then I actually remember her on 
the foxhole. That's that's uh, Jamie Foxx's serious imprint, and she was talking very in a very sexually suggestive way on that show. So, so a few years ago, you were talking about all kinds of stuff that you would do being a single woman because you're you're a sexually free spirit. And I remember that for whatever reason. <laughs> and uh-huh. she spoke that way. She spoke that way. And then now you're doing you're channeling Ann Coulter. So I can't believe any I can't I don't believe you, Stacy. I don't believe you. I'll leave it at that. You Claire, you have any, any dogs in this race? About what she represents? Forget Dash. I'm so over her. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I mean like you said, this is just part of her hustle. She's just trying to get money like everybody else. And if that means, you know, it's hilarious that she accuses someone else of spewing hatred when she herself comes off as being one of the most judgmental people. I mean, it's just absolutely hilarious. But it's just the height of hypocrisy, okay? I mean, when she's talking smack about BET and, well, BET was like, oh, really? Well, then can you return all the checks that we cut you? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's like sit down, just sit down. Um, but in terms of in terms of what you've said before, in terms of what you said before, in terms of like I I hate feeling like I'm just complaining and complaining and venting and emoting and that nobody gives a damn. I hate feeling like that. I hate it. And you know that. I've spoken upon this, you know, many a time on the show and even off the show. And trust me, if I knew of a way in which using another, you know, phrase that Jesse used in his speech, if I could find a way to mobilize the troops, if I could find a way to just make it happen on my own, please believe I already would have done so. And... In terms of where you're coming from, I, I do get it. I do get it. It was a very, very well-written, very well-composed, eloquent speech. But the thing is, I'm listening to these comments on, on two sides of the coin. They're just two sides of the extreme in terms of the mentality, you know, because I am not interested in just being all, you know, white people this and white people that. But I'm also... Very, I'm very aware of the current infrastructure. I am very aware of who's in charge and who stands the most to gain and who stands the most to gain by keeping everybody else down. So, yeah, I, I, I get frustrated. I do get frustrated at how whitewashed and how homogenous everything seems to be. But at the same time, I get pissed when I feel like, you know, I I guess I'll call them my people, although I don't feel like they're my people. But those of Asian descent, I feel like, you know, are, am I the only one who's upset? Am I the only one who's mad? Why? Why haven't we been speaking up sooner? Why? Why haven't we been louder? Why? Why haven't we been just annoying as hell and just kicking the door down? And why haven't we all turned into a Stacey Dash ourselves? Because 
as annoying as she is, I got to say, she's out there. She somehow maintained relevance, even though she's not working. She's doing her thing, causing a stir, you know, being Miss Controversy. But if it's making her some money and if it's getting her name out there, can I really hate on that? No, because I, what the hell am I doing? What the hell is anybody else doing in terms of just complaining about the fact that we're not represented, the fact that we're not included? You know, I just, I, I was, I, basically I'm just, this is an offshoot of what you were saying about how, you know, we need to actually stand up and do something. Well, tell me, tell me, how how do we do that? How do we do that? Because well, I would I mean, like listen, to know you, you, why it's okay. Why is it okay that, you know, time after time we're having a an exodus or gods of Egypt or aloha or uh, pan or ghost in the shell or Dr. Strange? Why? Why is this okay? Why is this considered normal? Why is it acceptable that we are so complacent that, oh, well, that's just business. That's just how it is. Why? Why are we okay with that? Well, you know, listen, Claire, to be, we, we know what the deal is. There's, there's two things going on here, and I think the, the captain's chomping at the bit to, to join in. Cause this is, this is uh, a MP3 on repeat. And what it really boils down to is there's, there's, a, there's a lot of heavy lifting involved to get things going. And there's a lot of distractions that keep us from remaining on message and focus. If you want to get things done, it requires a lot of focus, even with what AfroNerd represents. There's things that we need to do even even on this podcast tip that are difficult because we have other things going on besides that. And that's what life, we, we have to balance it. But that's part of the problem is that we're constantly being bombarded with distractions. So you have distractions, you have the, the, the callings of of life, life concerns, life issues, um, and you have folks that you know, it takes a certain degree of of camaraderie, people being able to work together, and we're we're, we're so distracted, and there's there's a way to make folks into their own little um, fiefdoms, you know, um, where we are a society that's balkanized. Even even I I don't even like bringing this up. But even when Jesse Williams said what he said, you had people weighing in that, well, he's a light-skinned black guy saying this. That's how absurd it can be. That's how, when, I, when I heard that, I said, okay, I'm done. I'm done. You have people that will, that will actually look to sabotage. That's a part of the, kind of the, part of, part of the mental conditioning. A lot of what's going on now, Claire, is mental conditioning. You have to kind of break that, that mental Program. It's called programming for a reason. It's a double, double entendre thing. People think that programming is, well, we're just getting these programs together. It also means, like Lenny Reifenstahl in World War II with Nazi propaganda films, um, in order for people to accept this stuff, it becomes programmed. You're programmed mind control, literally. If you're not paying attention, people think it's just normal for everything to be white. And even when someone who is black but has Euro features says what they need says what needs to be said, we're, many of us are so effed up. Well, 
he's we don't think he's black enough to talk this way. But if he did, but if he didn't speak that way, how come he's not speaking that way? I mean, you know, it's it's it's, it's it is madness. And it, some of those issues, even though that, that that's kind of an intraracial thing, some of those issues are what's making it difficult for us to move forward. And that's what I try to what we try to deconstruct here at Afro Nerd is to get beyond the obvious. We already know that this is a Eurocentric society. We already know that you're going to, that you're going to see a, God, a ghost in the shell. Matter of fact, Stephen Paul, that's, I want to kind of segue into that. The, the, the director for Ghost in the Shell, I'm sorry, the producer for Ghost in the Shell, I say he's trying to do a mea culpa. Maybe because the voices, maybe from what you're asking for, maybe some things are starting to turn around. But I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a good thing. I'm going I'm to pitch this back to you, Claire. Uh, he just so happens to state that for his next go-around, he's doing Ghost in the Shell now, but he says he intends to adapt Lone Wolf and Cub, and he wants to do it with an essential Japanese cast. So what does that mean to you? Like he, it, be, probably because he got so much criticism for Ghost in the Shell, the next project is a Japanese, a Japanese uh, interpretation but he's, or adaptation. But he's, now, go figure, he's actually going to have a Japanese cast in that. What does it mean? So maybe he's he listening to you. Is he saying that? Is he saying that the cast in this story for Lone Wolf and Cub, it, it's essential that they all be Japanese, or is he saying? Because I, when I read that comment, I wasn't sure if he was, if maybe he meant that. Oh well, in this particular story, yes, an essentially Japanese cast is needed, unlike Ghost in the Shell, where it's not essential for the main characters to be Japanese. Am I reading into it too far? Uh huh. Slippery slope. You know what? I, you know, I, I don't. You know what? Because we're not controlling this stuff. <laughs> this is what it's going. This is what it's like. It's never quite going to be right. I think that's what it is, though. I mean, he interprets Ghost in the Shell. He interpreted it as not necessarily requiring Asian folk to be involved in it. This oh, beyond around, that, beyond that, they have all made it very, very, very clear that they, from the get-go, never envisioned Kusanagi to be Japanese. Now, that sounds like an oxymoron to me, but that is what has been said that it has never been in, imagined, envisioned, or anticipated that the actress playing Kusanagi would be Japanese. That is what has been said. So but I don't Kusanagi know if Culpa. I don't know what the hell this is. And frankly, I'm just like, I don't even care. Well, you care a little. I mean, I, I think I think it's just, I think it is a Mia Culpa. I think that he, he's trying to do an about-face. Too little, and this is what too that late. looks like. You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm too not going to really late. see Ghost in the Shell. I, I Ghost in the Shell. I, I just have I feel a certain way about that. See, that's the thing that I think these people don't understand is that the these animes and comic books, people like them because of what they were. Um, 
when you think of Avatar, I got into Avatar because it was about Asian and Inuit culture. It wasn't meant to be this bastardization that we saw as a live action. I mean, the reason why we got into it because of what it was. That's like changing roots into something else, which I'm pretty sure they would have tried to do if they could. Can you imagine? Can oh. you imagine if Roots was white? Can well, you imagine? Listen, they 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 tried to do a, a a story, a play, and people walked out to see it was a it was a horror show. But they tried recently they tried to do some a play with um with Doctor Doctor King, um, Martin Luther King, Doctor Martin Luther King, with a white actor. This is true, and the audience just walked out. You can look it up on the on the internet. So they will try it. Isn't, isn't try a white in, person playing Michael Jackson? Yeah, Ralph well, Banks. They try to make that into a comedy, but I, I'm lost on that. I'm lost on that too. Yeah, well, hey, luckily for us, we have an expert that can weigh in on this. Oh, Captain. Cap. You, you got to understand something, man. I have a different perspective from everybody because I'm the white guy in the room. You have to understand <laughs> okay. something. I have a totally different perspective because, look, as AfroNerd says, how mu- let's start with black people, all right? As AfroNerd always says, how much do black people spend annually? How much, AfroNerd? How much? Hey, was it one, one trillion plus annually? There you go. Okay, now that being said, is black. That means black people, you're full of feces. You're full of excrement. When people say there's no money in the black community, now there might not be money to go do a Star Trek situation where you have a $200 million or $250 whatever they spent on that budget. But as I said before, going back about four and a half years ago, I said that you can write a good script, you can find a million dollars, because there's plenty of people, there's plenty of entertainers, it's just that they do not want to do that. Write it for a million, put together a movie for a million, good script and everything else, do a strong internet campaign, you put two million in promoting it. Now, maybe you don't make money, you break even. But if you keep doing that a few times, sooner or later, now you're breaking even. That essentially means you're getting the money back. Sooner or later, it's going to turn around. Well, we spent entirely three million and made now ten this time around. On this concept Let's keep flipping it Then as you keep flipping it You're going to get what I always said I said this four and a half years ago Spillage Now Miraculously From that little budget It turns into like 40 million Now you got a franchise Now just like in the movies The movie Intelligent Hoodlum They laid out something Not Intelligent I mean Hoodlum I'm thinking about Tragedy Gaddafi Hoodlum Yeah You're talking about just Hoodlum Yeah Larry Fishburne Larry Fishburne when they were dealing, doing their little drugs, the Italians told the Italians told, ah, yeah, yeah, we we we're not bothered with your little pennies. And as soon as the black man was forced into a reality where he had to flip the money, here come the Italians. That's how business is always done. So you're going to have to do it yourself, do the heavy lifting. What Afronaut always talks about, and that goes for all the other minorities in this country. There's two ways of doing business. You have an idea, and someone comes along and says, this is a great idea. You did this. Okay, we'll back you. Here's $100 million. 
Now, if that doesn't happen, more, more than likely it's not going to happen. You have to do the step-by-step plan from that standpoint what I just laid out. One foot in front of the other, and you're going to have to look to your own people. That's just the way it works. That's just what it is. So in respect to that, black people, you're full of feces. You do not want to do the heavy lifting, you know? You do not want to do it. You just do not want to do it. And any time you decide to go do that heavy lifting, the powers that be are going to come, oh, we want to distribute, oh, we want to, they have to get their paws on it now because you did all the work. Then you can hold them as hostage because you're getting money at that given point. That's how it works. That's how it works. Two ways of doing business. Either you go that way or you go, you come with an idea and someone comes along and says, okay, we put up all the money, but we're going to be 51%. You'll be 49. You're going to make a lot of money. You choose it. A lot of times you can't get that way. You can't get it that way. You have to go step by step. That's just the reality of it. This is how you got all. Uh, what, 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 what's his name? Uh, what's the guy from Hollis Afroner? <laughs> you know, I, I, I put well, that on the video. What was that again? I'm sorry. I didn't hear that part. What's the guy's name in Hollis that puts out all the videos? Uh, Q? Yes. <laughs> from from Real Star Hip Hop. From World Star Hip Hop. There you go. Did it himself. Uh, did it himself. Did it himself. Yeah, but look what he did. Yeah. Look what he yeah, did. Look listen, what he, well, let's put it this way. You, you, you prove a certain a certain point that these issues don't seem to don't seem to be a problem for when people lower the bar. Yeah, of course. When, 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 when you lower the bar, money comes. If you're doing slut, porn, whatever, when you lower the bar, money comes. When you're trying to kind of raise the intellect and do some prideful kind of stuff, that's when things become very, very difficult. Yeah, doing an Afro, the doing bar an Afro nerd. <laughs> yes. Do, doing an Afro nerd, um, asking what Claire is talking about, all of a sudden we don't know what to do. Uh, we can't find a, 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 a A-list Asian actor or actress. They will say that. So, therefore, we, we, got, we, can, we can't do that. We must have Scarlett Johansson. And use CGI to make her look more Asian. Oh wow! All, all, all I ask White Hollywood is when we do the Afro Nerd Radio movie, get Cal Penn to play me. I'd rather be played by an Indian than a white guy. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. But here's the thing, though. That's nothing new. Look what Bruce Lee had to do. Nothing new. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing we're talking about. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Yeah, nothing has changed. That's the part that makes it even crazier, that, that people should be rioting, actually. People really should be rioting. Because the fact, you, you know, I, I have a, a special will... authority for... I'm sorry, go ahead, Claire. No, I was just saying, I'll, hell, tell me when and where, I'll lead the charge. Yeah. <laughs> She'll have I mean, one half of her about... face painted blue. She'll give us that, that brave heart speech. And uh, we'll see how many people stick around for the to the battle charge. I mean, you know, listen, I, I like the Carradine family. You know, they're, they're a famous acting family. But the fact that you, that 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 the, that it was his idea for kung fu, but that it was something about allegedly, you know, just just white people can, will not be comfortable with an Asian face on on camera. I mean, it, it got to be that visceral. You know, that that visceral. He goes over, he gives him, gives him the finger, becomes an international superstar, and then they got to bring him back and deal with him. 
And then the poor man dies at 33 years of age. So I think, yeah, 32, 33. And and his presence 40-plus years later is still being felt. No one has ever been able to really do the martial arts genre quite the same way with his with his his departure to this day we are still chasing uh Bruce Lee that's what's so funny i i, I kind of detail these things same thing with someone like prince jimmy hendrix any of these people when they leave especially at that young age they do something do something spectacular you will forever be chasing them forever but but initially they didn't get him they never get these people until it's too late. It's amazing. And then they, and then even into the 90s, they still use the Caradines to portray this Amerasian thing. Where they're, they're not even they're not even Amerasian. They still tra- they still went into this into the modern era. In the 70s, it was inexcusable. 25 years later, when they brought back the series, they still pulled that crap. And they're still doing it. He's still doing it. Nothing has changed. Like I told you, like I told you, that show that they're developing, Altered Carbon, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. The character in the book is specifically Hoppe. It's specifically half Japanese, half European. But who do they cast to play the role? A white guy. A white guy who is going to pretend to be Asian. Oh, we can't have no Asian actress, so let's get Scarlett Johansson. Because she's not paid enough. Now, now, quickly, Marco Polo 2 has just been released on Netflix. Uh, it's something we, we should actually talk about. Netflix, for whatever reason, they're just now starting to disclose their ratings numbers. And they, they actually uh, employed Nielsen, so I guess to make it more legit, because you know, Nielsen is a very legitimate ratings service. So Nielsen teamed up with Netflix, and as expected, Many of their, much of their viewership is in the millions. Would have to be. It, this way, it, it shows clearly, with the advent of other streaming services and conventional TV, that they can compete. That when you hear of uh, Ghost, um, uh, a Game of Thrones, I think Game of Thrones, the last episode was like 10 million, which which is pretty, you know, you, you can't discount that. 10 million on cable. And they're they're getting numbers that are commensurate to that with their so when Marco Polo comes out with an all mostly Asian cast I think like ninety five percent Asian uh, excluding Marco Polo himself obviously um, it, I, if that it's got season two if that's in the millions then where does it say that people of color Asians in this in this instance are not marketable if Netflix is is has second season and it's in the millions so what what does that, what does that mean? What does that mean? Great series, by it's, the way. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that's my Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. See, but, but again, uh, the, the, the object is to get people talking about it like that. But when it comes to stuff like Marco Polo, they clam up. Now, you mentioned Daredevil. Oh, did you? Oh, oh, Jessica Jones. A little bit more, a little lukewarm on that compared to Daredevil, but then Marco Polo crickets. Oh, but did you <laughs> check out House of Cards? Oh, wow, wow. And that's not talking about white people. That's talking about in our community. <laughs> well, one quick thing. 
one, one quick thing. We got to mention this. Is, I guess this is more on the, on the diversity tip. Um, I think it was Comics Alliance, maybe, Daryl. Well, they they went in on this Marvel Now's Divided We Stand. I mean, that's the the latest um, campaign from Marvel, and you see a picture of what what's essentially Marvel Now. You see um, the old guard and the new guard, and the new guard obviously is almost entirely composed um, of heroes Diverse. of color. Mm-hmm. So. What does that say, and is that still are we still looking at the mainstream a k a white fan base not digging that because it's clearly you even see a you see this uh what's the character's name the character um Riri williams black iron woman i mean you know <laughs> well, you see some stuff now well look it's at this stark. it's actually stark. I mean, not not Stark as in Stark the Dr. character, Doom. but it's a Stark. It's a, no, but I'm saying it's a Stark uh, disconnect. You see, like you said, Doctor Doom is in one picture, and all like all these white characters, mostly white, and then the other side is all these all these various heroes of color. Marvel now. What's well, up with let that? me filibuster. <laughs> hey, that, again, that's that. That's the problem, and this is what we try to tell people. When it's been 50, 60 years, essentially, of Lily White programming, and now you're trying to get the new guard in, guess what? The old guard is all going to look like a Benetton ad pre-70s, and afterwards with the new guard, it's going to look like a a United Colors of Benetton ad from the 2000s. So I don't know what people expected, because guess what? The the black dude that would have been on the old guard side, he's the one that died. <laughs> or, excuse me, comic died. You know? So well, also, they, also, what about this, you know, in the new picture? I mean, both coexist, right? But the new one, they have the mosaic character also. And I believe he's also of African extraction. But... I mean, every everyone is represented in this thing. So, well, what, hey. what, I mean, I'm just asking: Is this going to be a permanent foundation for Marvel? That's no. really no, no, no. Okay. You can't ever use the word permanent foundation from the house of uh, event uh, event situ uh, event fatigue. You can't say it's going to be a permanent situation. This is their direction now. Okay, this is their Occupy Marvel Entertainment. Now. That's what's happening now. That's why it's called Marvel Now. Next year, this is totally going to change. Because after all, this is the same fan base, i got to go back to it, that after Captain America won, how dare you? How dare you violated God's law by having Steve Rogers say, Hail Hydra. This is the same fan base they're appealing to here. Okay, that we had to tell, chill, wait, let the story play out. You don't know what's going to happen. All right? I see the kids, great. I see all the ethnic kids, great. Now, are they going to do this the proper way and let them build up and let them evolve like Miles Morales did, like Kamala Khan did? Or are they going to shoehorn them into a one-note situation like Mr. Alvarez, the new power man, like White Tiger, 
where you want to see these characters exposed, but they can't get a forum to be exposed. We gotta. We know the old guard. We know what they stand for. We've had sixty plus years to read the old guard. Now the question is, will the new guard get the time to develop? I love the fact that Mosaic is getting pub. All right, he's the Black Legion essentially. But, but after six issues, are you still going to be there? Are you still going to give them your money? Are you still going to give them your time? Customers, retailers, this is where you get put on the spot. How well are you going to go to the mat for the book? I'm not aiming my arrows now at Marvel, all right? I'm aiming my arrows at you. It's okay to talk it up on Twitter and say, oh, this is a change. But are you going to support it? Back to you, Afro. On that note, on that note, we got about a minute remaining. Uh, these these shows go so quickly, actually. Um, folks, as a reminder, don't go crazy for July Fourth. Um, be safe. Be intelligent. Try not to lose any limbs. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your life. Uh, we'll be back next week doing our thing. Claire, as always, we appreciate your support. Uh, continued support. Uh, the captain, Daryl. Let's go out with something new always, hurting by two lose. I really like this groove. Wednesday, the next week, we'll do it again. It's been real. Hurt, baby. Got some more love left in store.
Baby, got no more love left in store. 